Well, good morning. This has been a really fun weekend for our church. We put on a something called the Orange Crestival, and we just first off, I just wanted to thank all of you that pitched in to help us pull that off. It was our largest effort we've done to date, and so we have put on large events before, and sometimes with about. 12 to 15 people running and having a million jobs. With this, we had 140 volunteers. And so, thank you so much for serving and sacrificing to, to help out. We had so many people even coming at 3 o'clock. Some people took days off of work in order to help us um, pull that off with excellence. And our, our desire was that it would be fun, uh, sharp, and that we would have warm interactions with uh, lots of people in our community. And, and I believe the Lord really honored that uh, desire and things were done with excellence. And so, if if you are here and you came to the Orange Festival uh, from from the community, we're just we'd love to welcome you. I'd love to personally meet you along with our staff. I'll be back at the guest information table after service. And today, what we're doing though is we're wrapping up a message series on the life of Paul. He's a man from the Bible, one of the most influential men, definitely in his world. But he's had this life where there's just been a ripple effect of his life, and we can grow so much as we study his life, as we read uh, parts about the history of his life in the Bible, as we read the letters that he wrote to the churches that were sprouting up in the first century. And so, uh, I hope you've been able to listen in. He's kind of one of the key players that God used in the Bible. And hopefully you've learned some new things about him, also some things about church history, but more than that, our hope is that you'd identify some specific steps that you can take in your life in the here and now. And so if you missed any of the messages, they're on our website. And so as I've been thinking about Paul and his life and his legacy, it got me kind of thinking about the people that God has used to influence uh, me. And you you have Pauls in your life. You have people who have influenced you. I have people who have influenced me. And I've thought through those people and thought about the various stages of their lives that have um, shaped mine. I, I realized that Watching those people walk through adversity, watching them face adversity, really, has probably influenced me more than anything else. And certainly their words and their perspective has been helpful. It's solid. But so much of what we learn from our Pauls, the living Pauls in our life, so much of what we learn from them is we we just kind of peer in really closely and we see how are they going to respond to this difficult situation that they're facing now. Times when people are just weighing over their heads that is what reveals the genuine quality of a person. Like, what's really in there? It comes out when the pressure's on. And it's in those times where we might say to ourselves, or think to ourselves, what are they going to do with this? Or, I've seen them in the past, but what are they going to do now? And you, you may be someone's Paul. Someone may be looking at your life and studying you closely and hearing the things you're saying. And maybe you're facing some pressure right now and people are probably looking and saying, what is it that they're going to do with this? This is tremendous pressure that he or she is under. And um, our, our eyes can kind of lock on to people as we study. Like, how, how are they going to endure this? How are they going to get through this? What perspective can they hang on to during this time? Now, one of my Pauls has been a man, uh, he's a pastor. Here's a picture of he and his wife. This is Randy Lanthrop and his wife, Cindy. And we have known them for over 16 years. And he's pastor of Church in the Valley in Diamond Bar. And that was the church where my wife and I were a part of and our launch team that launched this church. We all were trained up there and grew out of their ministry. And uh, he has been pastoring there for 28 years. And meeting him was a huge turning point for me. I had met him when I was... I think 20 or 21, 
And I had been uh, doing ministry for uh, some youth ministry since I was a freshman in college. And I was interested in church planting. I wanted to learn what, what it, would it be like to start a brand new church. And so when I met him, and I had no training on knowing how to start new churches. And so I was, I had that desire, but I really had a lot of training to do and I had a lot of learning to do. And, and I met him and I learned that he'd planted Church in the Valley by just moving into Diamond Bar after his training was over and, and launching a new church with just his family. And as I settled in there and really started learning and, uh, I just decided, my wife and I was like, let's try to be the very best faithful people we can be here. Let's just be extremely faithful church members. And let, let's, let's try to learn all we can, train all we can. Let's try to help them move the mission forward here. And I watched very closely. I would lean in and, and pay attention to how he faced the different challenges I saw him walk through. One of those that really was helpful for me in my development was watching him parent in a pretty difficult season of life. Uh, his son... Uh, Thaddy's got, they have a son and daughter, Thad and Lindsay, and they're both grown now. But when Thad was in high school, um, he was kind of a star baseball player, captain of the team, kind of the guy that was just playing great baseball. And I would go watch a lot of his baseball games, my wife and I. And he was a standout player. He, he threw hard. He was a catcher, but he just, he had a cannon of an arm. He, he, his dad was always timing, Randy was always timing with a stopwatch, his pop time, which is the, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but the, the, the time from when the ball would hit the catchers, uh, where you'd hear the slap on the catcher's mitt, and from them getting it to the glove at second when they try to throw a guy out who was stealing. And that was just an outstanding catcher, so I've seen him throwing out po- people. He had a, a World Series ring because he played on a team that won the World Series for Babe Ruth. And so he was just, which was a national, uh, well, I guess World Series would imply more than national. So, you know. So he's just a really talented player. And everyone's like, he's going to go so far. I wonder what God's going to do through this, like, athletic career that he's going to have. And then he had a problem. He is back and got blown out. He had to have this major surgery. I think it was called, like, a back fusion or a spinal fusion. And it was, it was a, just a horrible letdown for, for, for Thad. And, and probably for Randy to, to watch his son walk through this. And I remember when they got the news, I called to see, hey, what did you guys hear? And the doctor had told them all the bad news. Like, you're done with baseball. You're going to need to take this year off. You might be able to play, but you can't catch anymore. And so the guys, the schools that were scouting him, he was being scouted by some colleges his sophomore year. And so he was heading into his junior year. He had to sit his whole junior year out, which was a key year. And so... But I remember going to his house and, and talking with Thad and just paying attention to how Randy was just parenting him through that. And I remember having some conversations with, with them in those days. But I was just, I, I was zooming in because I, I, you know, what would I do if I'm in this situation? I'm, I'm watching. What, what's he going to say now? Is, is, is he going to get mad at God? God, why wouldn't you let my son excel in this and succeed in this? Is he going to, or is he going to try to cushion you know, and not let his son experience the challenges that he's facing. Well, what's he going to do? And so I'm paying attention to this. And it was shaping. Another time later was watching him care for his aging parents. He took his aging parents in and began to care for, for them when they were in their 90s. And, and then really, you know, even saying goodbye, just watching the whole experience of watching him saying goodbye to his folks. And my eyes, again, I was just locked on to what... My mentor was doing, and I'm thinking, this, this is going to be me in a, in a few years or a few decades, and I, I better pay attention. Uh, now, now, 16 years later, he's the same guy. He's not backing off of ministry. He's not moving mentally into retirement. He's just 
focused. He's zeroing in on leading his church to do Christ's mission and then and really trying to help develop as many leaders um, in our network of churches to, to, to make things move forward in the, in the kingdom. And so um, I'm meeting with him today. We're part of a training network to train future church leaders. And, and, but he's in, endured some things. I've watched him endure health challenges. I've watched him endure loss. I've watched him endure um, scares, sickness scares divisive people that had risen up and just watching. How's he going to handle this pressure? Um, another thing that was challenging was close friends moving away at key points where you're like, oh, this is the key time we're advancing and then key people move away where you're like, oh, that, that probably really was difficult for him to face. And again, I just keep leaning in. And his words have been really helpful, helpful for me, but probably what has made the most impact is watching, especially in the weak points. Right where those weaknesses are. Right where you know there's a struggle. Because all these years, I see that. I I want that type of resolute faith in God. I I want something that will stand strong through the test. Now, now I'm a pastor, so naturally my Paul is a pastor. You know, he's a guy that I've been studying his life. What about you? Whose life are you studying? Who's your Paul? Who, who Who are you looking at? observing them closely. Maybe you're a mom and you're zooming in on another mom and you're like, I, you know, she's got good things to say, but now she's under a different type of pressure and you're thinking, what is she going to do now? How is she going to handle this? This is a new, this is new territory. Or maybe you're single and you're watching someone else who's single and, and you're, you're saying, well, what are they going to do now? How are they going to handle this pressure? Or, or maybe you're in business and you're watching a person in business who's under pressure of maybe compromise. Maybe something, a lot of times in business, you know, you're asked to compromise. You're asked to, to cross a line, maybe morally. And how, how are you going to handle this now? What is he or she going to do? And, and now to take this further, what does it take for us to be a Paul? What would it take for us to have that kind of influence in other people's lives? And that's what I want to focus on today. How how does God make us into the type of people who can have influence to those around us? And so to begin answering this, we're going to look again at what happened in Paul's life. So I want to invite you to take out this listening guide and we're going to read this passage. As you read through his life, as you study through the book of Acts or you read through his letters, you, you see constant and even building pressure. You just see the pressure mounting in his life. And what most of us would describe, uh, you know, when you read the history of Paul's life, you just see trouble. (laughs) Capital T, you just see a lot of trouble. He constantly is facing challenges. But yet he's this man who's just focused like a laser on fulfilling Christ's mission. And at the same time, he's knee deep in challenges. And so when we look at that as Americans, as Westerners, that is so far from the path of success that we would want. And you think you're in the prime of your life where things are just humming and, and people are people are serving you. You know, you're in the spotlight. You're you're shining. You're living a trouble free life. No, Paul, he is he is humming as far as ministry is concerned. Things are just flowing and he is going forward, but he's knee deep in troubles. And so but that's the price that an influencer pays. In fact, to influence others, God God will lead us into deeper waters statement at the top of your listening guide. God is going to lead us into deeper waters. Think back to learning to swim. Do you remember learning to swim? If you can even remember going back that far in your mind. Do you remember the fear or worse, the terror of having to learn to swim? 
It's a scary thing, isn't it? You know, you, they put you on the steps. At least this is what I remember, and this is what I did with my kids. It's like they put you on the steps, and it's like you jump to the instructor, or you jump to the parent, or the adult that's around you. And then they take a little step back, and there's two steps between you and them, and they jump again, and you can still be caught. But then you get further, and you're like, I can't do it. I can't do it. And as I've tried to do that with my kids, you know, they're just shaking sometimes in terror, because they don't want to drown. You, you And so you try it out. You start swimming. You take in some water. You know, you cough. We've all been there. You're trying to... If you're trying to teach, teach, you're like, how much water can they really take in without how many? <laughs> this might be bad for them at a certain point, but you know they cough, these ch- not choke, but you know cough it up, throw. I've seen that all happen, you know. And uh, then you give them a little pep talk, and they're like, I don't want to do it again. But then everyone else is swimming, and uh, I'm going to try it. I'm going to try it. Get back on the steps, and again, they're just leading you out into the deeper parts. Further and further, they just keep challenging you until you get it. And you finally, you finally get it, hopefully. You know, hopefully you've all learned to swim at this point. And, but that, that's a picture of how we get stretched in life. It's like God's like, alright, I want to ask you to serve me. I can't, I can't, I can't do it. I can't, I, I need, I need this. God, I need the, I need the sleep. I need the, uh, you know, I, I don't like talking to people. And you take that step, and you, you, it's hard, and you take in some water, and then, and then he leads you to another thing. God, you want me to trust you with my resources? Oh, God, that's, that's a huge step. And we start taking deeper steps and deeper steps of faith. You want me to share my faith with others? I could never do that, God. And deeper and deeper. And think back to the challenges you faced in life. Those points where you're, you know God is saying, now it's time for this, and you're like, I, I can't. But think about the growth that has followed after you've taken the steps. We experience that over and over with our education. You experience that with your skills, your training, your careers. You take risks in relationships. If you're in relationship with people, whether it's friendship, if it's, if it's dating, if it's marriage, there's all of these steps that you're like, God, I don't know if I could trust you again with this. And, then, and parenting and on and on and on. And we take in water a lot of times. and we, It's difficult. And, and here's why. When we get beyond ourselves, we realize that we need His help. It's when we get past the steps (laughs) that we can touch. That's when we realize, wow, someone else is helping me at this point. And here's some of the the challenges that Paul faced. Look at 2 Corinthians 11.24. It reads this. He's describing some of the pressure he was under. He says, At one point, five times I received at the hands of the Jews the forty lashes Less one on five different occasions, he's in the synagogue trying to reach out to his Jewish brothers through sharing Christ, and he ends up being flogged with whips, similar to what Jesus Christ endured. And then he says, three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned." He's not talking about like his party life and just the, you know, the testimony that he had. No, he's once I was stoned means, you know, like people wanted to kill him with stones. <laughs> He wasn't a stoner. He was, he was, once I was stoned, he just had to throw that in there for us. Try to identify, you know, with culture. No, he, they threw rocks at him to kill him. They drug him out of the city, assuming he was dead, leaving him for dead. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea on frequent journeys, in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from that's the Jews would his, you know, from the Jews. Danger from the Gentiles. That's the non-Jews. Danger in the city. 
It just gets worse. Danger in the wilderness. Danger in the, at the sea. Danger from false brothers of the people that are, you know, they're disguising themselves like they're, they're really on his team, but they really have a divisive intent. In toil and in hardship, through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. So he's got all this stuff he rattles off. Like, you know, Paul faced it all. I mean, you look at that and you're like, how could one man really endure all this stuff? This is, this is some pretty deep, deep water. And apart from other things, then there's this. There's this pressure. He, he describes it this way. There's this daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. So beyond what he was experiencing, he had invested his life in other people and raising up, training up, and planting. He was pouring himself into other leaders. And now he's, he's, he's carrying that burden on his shoulders. He doesn't just go to bed at night like if it's, oh, I'm fed tonight. No, he's thinking about the people that he's leading and the pressure that they're under. And that's something that... that it's hard to wrap our minds around that, but leaders, they bear a different type of burden. And so what Paul is saying is, the, and he knows, and here's the other thing is, when he's calling people to sacrifice for the mission, when he's trying to raise up, let's say, another pastor or a missionary to go and advance the gospel, he, he knows the opposition he faced. And so he wasn't saying, hey, come live a comfortable life. He's saying, come and die. <laughs> Come out to the deeper waters where you might drown. Come out here where you're probably going to get burned and attacked and slandered and, and, and you're going to be tempted in difficult ways and the enemy is going to come at you. Come on out here. And so when he goes to bed at night, he's not just thinking about his own pressure. He's feeling a world of burden on him because of all the people that he has asked to risk with him. And, I, and so, but that's, that's what God is doing to develop this man. This is how God often grows leaders and influencers. Is, is he, he, pushes, he pushes us out there, off the steps, to get beyond ourselves, so that we can't rely on our own resources, so that we can't touch the bottom anymore, so we can't you know, hang on to our instincts and our intellect or our past experiences, where we just like, okay, God, I've never been out that far before. I'm not, I'm not, this is new territory. And he's all right, now, now you trust me. You're going to have to trust me now. I spoke with one of the gals from our church. Her name is Rachel uh, Lewis, and she is serving overseas, far from here. She's in the second largest country in, the, in our world. There's, there's 1.25 billion people in the country where she's serving. And she's on a two-year mission trip, basically, to live amongst his people and to help share Christ with others. And so our staff, we, we did a Skype call with her to just pray for her and encourage her because she's been at it for several months in this, in this country. And she's there to share Jesus with them. And, and right now, in the country that she's in, the, the country has passed a law that foreigners um, who've been there for a certain period of time, if they've been there be, before, and I don't remember the date, I think it was 2013, but if you were there before 2013, for as many years as you've been there, you'd have to, to stay there, you have to pay 120% tax on your income to, the, to their government for every year that you've been there. And so what's happening for missions agencies and denominational sending groups is they're pulling their missionaries out of this country before they actually enforce the tax, which I guess I've been told it, was, it would be in February. And so, because that's, for some people, that's millions of dollars if you've spent a career serving in this country. And so, 
the missions agencies, the denominations, the churches that are funding these people are not able to really cover that. And so what it's forcing is it's forcing missionaries to be relocated to other places and outside this country. And so this gal, she's, she's heard about that news and she told us all about that. And she said, so what's happening is a lot of missionaries are leaving. Her supervisors are actually out they're here in the States. She has some career missionaries that work with her and her ministry partner, but they're not even in the country right now because they're both, or I think one of them is sick. And so she's in this country of 1.25 billion people, mostly unchurched, and, and she's like the only white girl around. She's, she's like, she's young. She's 22 years old. Imagine yourself being in this. Now this isn't a metropolitan city that she lives in. It's a huge city, but it's rural. So when she goes out in the town, she's like, some people have never seen anyone from not in those parts. And so all eyes are locked on her. Kids, women, men. So imagine the fear you might experience just to be in that environment. Just far out in those deep waters. And then also just not knowing, God, are you gonna, are, when am I going to be relocated? And are my supervisors going to come back? How do I make good use of my time here? And so... I asked, I asked her, Rachel, what has been your perspective? What are you thinking? What are you holding on to right now? And she just said this. She said, God isn't surprised by any of this. Maybe God is teaching me to rely on Him like never before. I was like, that, that's great perspective. And actually, I was like, I'm speaking on that on Sunday. I'm going to share that. That's so true. God is, God is he's, he's not surprised by this. God can still accomplish His work to reach that country. He, now He may just create a revival from within through the nationals that have been reached there. And God will find a way to, to continue to pour resources from the outside into that country. He always has done that in places where the gospel hasn't been able to penetrate. And so, he's at work. But I couldn't agree more with her to say, you know what, maybe God's just using this to deepen my reliance on Him. And I was like, bingo, you are right on. This is going to be a very, very rich time of growth and learning for you. And I don't know what's going to happen. You know, it's like, time will tell how she'll respond to that and what God's going to do in her life. But no doubt there'll be growth as she trusts Him in your own life. No, no doubt God is also pushing you out there off the steps further into deep waters. And this is not to scare you. This is not just to freak you out, but it's to cause you to, to rely on Him, to trust Him, and depend on Him, maybe like you've never depended on Him before, because you haven't necessarily needed to. It could be that you've been on the steps comfortable all your life. Maybe God's saying, time, time to get off the steps there. Time to grow. Along similar lines, God's power is clearly displayed in our weaknesses. This is a key perspective that Paul had. God's power is clearly displayed in our weaknesses. Paul hit a point in his life where he, he describes a spiritual attack that he was enduring that didn't go away. It just kept persisting. And he received no relief from it. But again, it wasn't a pointless attack. Look at how he describes it. This is in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 8. He says, Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. Now he's got this, he's, got this, he's enduring this attack. And he, in verse 7, let me read you verse 7. Basically, Paul was, Paul was a man who experienced some... Um, he had some uh, deep insights about God and how God was working. And so, at one point, he, he's, he even had like a, a, a vision. And so, he's describing in verse 7 this. I'm going to read it. It says, So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpass, 
because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, meaning the things that I have learned, the things that God has revealed to keep me from becoming conceited, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. So, he calls this affliction or this 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 uh, problem that he's facing a thorn in the flesh. Have you ever gotten a, a thorn or a splinter stuck in your skin and and you try to dig it out and it doesn't come out and you're just like uh, you're, you're making just a bloody mess of yourself and uh, and you can't get it out and you're like I better just stop and maybe maybe my body will just push this thing out over time. And sometimes it's years later that, that the thorn actually comes out or the splinter actually comes out. So Paul, we're not exactly sure what this thorn in the flesh really was. It's some sort of a physical affliction that, that the enemy brought as an attack, that Satan brought upon him as an attack, some sort of a physical ailment or affliction. So Paul, he, he pled with God. It says here, I, I pleaded with the Lord about this three times that it should leave me, but it didn't leave him. God didn't heal him of it. Paul instead dealt with the thorn. The thorn just stayed, stayed in there. Wherever it was, it stayed in there. Whatever this was, it stayed in there. Think about, think about you walking with a limp as a constant reminder of a weakness. Just compensating for the pain that you're in. Learning to walk with a limp. Paul learned to just bear the pain of this thorn in his life. So think about your own life. Where, where are you weak? What are those ailments or those afflictions or those those weak, apparent weaknesses? And then what's your perspective on that? Is the perspective, is your perspective that every weakness or every ailment or every affliction is a sign that you've been abandoned by God or maybe that God doesn't care about you or maybe that you've done some really bad thing and so you're being punished? Now some of the, there's a possibility. Sometimes the things we do bring about trouble. And we're in trouble because we did something that didn't please God. Sometimes though, that's not the case. There's, there's all of these sources of trouble. There, sin is a source of trouble. The curse of sin is a source of trouble. Satan can bring trouble. Ourself, we can bring trouble. We, we, we do dumb things. That can bring trouble. You know, God, He actually allows for us to experience trouble. Sometimes God provides an opportunity for us to grow. There's some affliction, something we're facing. And when we're in those points, though, when we're weak, and when we feel like we're in trouble, there's this persistent problem in our life. What do we do? Oh, we should pray. Paul says, I pled with the Lord three times that it would leave. We should pray. We should bring these things continually to God. But if over time it does not leave us, if it doesn't go away, then God is using that for some intended purpose in your life. If you're facing something that you're like, man, it's not going. God's using that. He wants to do something through that. Look at verse 9. Paul says this, after he said, please God, take it away that it would leave. But he said to me, God said to him, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Rather than removing the problem, God just gave Paul grace in the midst of the problem. Grace means favor. It means kindness. Grace is favor from God that, that we've not earned. It's just a, it's a gift that is given. And Paul, he knew just like the rest of humanity that us included, that we have all rebelled. Everybody on planet Earth, we all rebel. We've all chosen to go our own course in life. And we've left God out. We've blown past God's boundaries. 
We've ignored, we've violated God's laws. We've trespassed against the, uh, against the lines God said not to cross. We, we've passed over those things. And God summarizes all that. And he says, that's something called sin. And the consequence of sin is death. Both physical death and spiritual death. And when sin entered the world, everything that God intended started unraveling for humanity. And our sins... That literally cut us off from God. It created this chasm, this distance, this barrier from us being able to relate to God. And so what did God do? God sent His Son out of His grace. That was the gift of grace. Jesus came to bridge the gap that our sin had created. And so grace, when He's talking about my grace, God said to Him, my grace is sufficient for you. Grace gives us what we do not deserve. Well, what do we, what do we not deserve? We don't, we don't deserve the opportunity for forgiveness. I don't deserve that. I've sinned against God so many times. So I, I don't deserve that forgiveness. I didn't deserve for Him to send Jesus to take that upon Himself, to pay the penalty of my rebellion. I, don't, I, I certainly don't deserve to spend eternity with God and that He would look at me as someone who's righteous because of what Jesus bought for me and gave for me. I, I don't deserve that. That's grace. To experience that. That's God's grace. And similarly, grace does not give us what we do deserve. It doesn't give us what we do deserve. Well, what do we deserve? We deserve, and I deserve, the full fruit of my ways. I deserve the consequences of my sin. I deserve the consequences of my rebellion. I deserve eternal separation from God in hell. I deserve to just remain under God's judgment. But I've been given grace. And when Paul made this request for deliverance from the affliction, the Lord's response was simply, my grace is sufficient for you. God provided for Paul's core needs. He offered forgiveness from his life of sin and rebellion. And sometimes we don't ever pause to really thank God for that. Or we forget what God has done in the midst of our pain. And we don't thank God for His grace that He's shown. And then he says this, Paul, Paul said, you know, for my power, or you know, God said to him, for my power is made perfect in weakness. God permits us to face weak points in our life or, or to have weaknesses so that we might just receive and rely on His grace. Or His strength, actually. He wants to provide opportunities to rely on His power. With that perspective, then Paul can say this, Look at where he goes. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest on me, or upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, with insults, with hardships, with persecution and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Think about that phrase, I am content. You see it up there? I am content, Paul says, with all these things. Weaknesses, insults. He's not angry at God. He's not saying, God, you must have abandoned me. He sees God very much at work and involved in this whole experience. I am content. That's like, you know, that's basically, I, I'm at peace with these things. I, I, I've accepted these things. I, I am, I'm not bitter at these things. I, it's, it's, it's almost like, I'm satisfied. God, if this is all, if this is it, I'm satisfied with these things. My hands are open. God, you place into my life what you want to place in. I'm not going to clamp down on just the good and say, I'm not going to let go of that 
or, or no, God, I don't want that. I, I, I'm content. This perspective here seems like backwards thinking, doesn't it? Every time, you know, and he, he says, you know, for when I am weak, then I am strong. This statement at the end, for when I am weak, then I am strong. This is this seems like backwards thinking. Every time I'm weak, I feel like getting some rest. <laughs> Like, should I call a doctor? Should I not call a doctor? I'm, I'm kind of weak today. I think, how can I solve this? And so when I'm weak, my natural instinct is, I need to fix it then. There's a weakness. You've got a weakness, I want to fix you. Let's fix this. Together. Well, that's what's natural. That we would power up in and of ourselves. Paul's perspective was that he was able to boast in what God was doing through his weaknesses. He, because he was putting God's mighty power on display for all sorts of people that were paying attention to Paul's life. God's power was just displayed through the days of Paul's life. Because whenever we just choose to trust God in that, and we let God work through even our weaknesses, or we just we keep moving forward in our weaknesses, then who gets the credit? God does. We don't. Because we realize, wow, we were in over our heads. We were in way too deep to, to muster up the strength to do that ourselves. And this is the perspective that, that Paul kept. And so Paul's life and his truth found in the Bible, it offers us a tremendous amount of hope for how do we face those situations that are far beyond us. This final point on the back, it says this, responding in the right way in the face of adversity is key to lasting influence. Responding in the right way in the face of adversity is key to lasting influence. See, because this, this comes up, our reactions, our attitudes, every time we're facing adversity or affliction or challenges or weaknesses, you know, the question comes up, two key questions is, how does God want me to react to this? What would please God in this, in this, in this moment, in this season? Or how does my attitude reflect to others that God is in control. Now, what are your common reactions? What are your common attitudes when you feel overextended or when you feel weak? I think we can all face similar reactions. One would be thought, the thought of, why is this happening to me? Why? What did I do wrong? Or bad things shouldn't happen to good people. I'm a good person. I, I'm trying to... I'm a Christian. I'm a Christ follower. Where is God in all of this? Why would He allow this to happen? We start asking all of these questions and it leads us to the thought of, what do I do about it? I gotta fix this. And it, that, again, we naturally wanna power up in and of ourselves. And we wanna be strong in ourselves and rely on ourselves. But Paul's life and Paul's whole example, it shows us that we shouldn't do that. We shouldn't place our confidence in ourselves. Instead, we ought to just keep placing our confidence in the God who works through our weaknesses, who works through our troubles. Can you imagine if we were to respond in that way? Now, it doesn't mean, now, going back to how we began, and I showed you a picture of my, one of my mentors and how I would just pay attention to his life, and I said, you know, people are watching our lives, and, and you know, they're, they're peering in. They're listening with their eyes. They're not just listening with, to the things that we say, but they're, they're, they're watching with their eyes. They're seeing us live the life before them. Now, it doesn't mean that when we're going through hard times, we have to play a game, put a game face on, and pretend. But it really does, it means that 
As people, as we walk through difficult things and the emotions come, whether the emotion is grief, whether it's hurt, whether it's physical pain that some of you are in, whether it's sadness, sorrow, processing anger, processing the emotions that come up, we have to process those things. You know. And then as we do that, we continue to walk forward with God, trusting Him all the while. It's not that it's not that I haven't seen my mentors get emotional. In fact my mentor gets quite emotion emotional all the time. Out of gratitude for God. But but you know, I've I've seen him go through the process. I've seen him go through the process of working through a hurt, working through pain, wondering where's he gonna land and I'm paying close attention still. And I let him be a person because I realize he is a person. But Man, the, the, the strength that wells up in me as I see him continue to press on with God through the seasons of life, it, it just infuses me with courage. And God, he, he wants to use us. He wants to use us to influence others in the way that we respond to him. You never know how something you're facing, how many people are watching that are on the front row, and how your response is your perspective. Even the struggles, but where you land especially, that that may just cause something to click over in someone else's life that they would say, "Wow, that's real faith there." Like I, I want that. I want. I want to walk through pain that I face in the way that they're walking through that. I want to invite our worship team to come up and and really ask you some questions about just to kind of bring this to a close. What 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 deep pool is God asking you to step into right now? Where in your life is He calling you out to the deeper waters? Where is that? You know, there's the steps of comfort, the places we've been before. Where, where is God saying, Hey, buddy, come out here. Come out here further. What does that mean to you? I mean, jot that down. Think, think about that. Process that this week. And then, will you rely on Him? Will you trust in Him? Even if you plead, God, please don't make me do this. Don't, or God, please take this away. Will you trust Him? Will you rely on Him to work through the weaknesses you're facing, the struggles you're facing, in order to help advance His kingdom? Recognizing that not everything will be made right on earth. It will be in heaven. I, I, I long to, to live the trouble-free life there. Sometimes I'm, I want this to be heaven. This is not our home. And I, it gives me something to look forward to, to know in. I can't even imagine what life will be like to experience trouble-free living. <laughs> but that's not, that's not yet for those, those of us who follow Christ. And so rely on Him. Some next steps here on the back of your connection card. First one is ask God. These are on the back of your connection card. If, if you don't mind, finish filling this out. You can drop this in the offering in a few minutes. Ask God for help to respond the right way to the difficulty I'm facing. That's somewhat generic. You might have something far more specific. I'd, I'd be as specific as you can. Or pray for blank. That's so-and-so. Pray for someone this week that their confidence in God would grow. You may not be facing anything really adverse right now, but you maybe know somebody who really is. And you just pray for them. Maybe you're 
peering in already very closely, rather than just like watching with popcorn. What are they going to do? What are they going to do? Instead, turn that into just like, please, God, would you help them to hang on to you, to keep going with you? Would you help me to, to be a support and encouragement? Would you help me not to cushion this that they're facing, but help me to play the role you want me to play? Would you show me what that needs to be? I want to pray. Before I do, um, I would like to also make you all aware of a prayer request for the next couple of weeks. Cody and his wife are going to be in Thailand for 10 days. And she's not in here this week. She was in last service, I think. I was going to bring her up here. I realized I didn't bring her up here last service. So, yeah. She can't come up here. She's got the kids at the moment. So, um Cody and Cassie are part of a team that are going to Chiang Mai, Thailand, and they're going to be also, I guess, near near Laos as well. And I did this as if I know where that is on the map. It's near Laos. But uh, I'd like you to pray for Cody. He's been uh, part of our staff since grand opening. That was his day number one. And uh, he's just a real joy to serve. And he's just been uh, a great, um, he's had a, a real influence on our lives as he's led us to worship the Lord. And so, and even trying to get us to, to step out into deeper waters, even in the way that we sing and respond to God in, in our time of worship. But they're going to be a part of, they're going to be leading, he and his wife Cassie are going to be leading worship for a conference that's going to be going on to encourage some church leaders and to instruct some church leaders on uh, some of the values that we try to practice here and things that they're wanting more training in and coming alongside some career missionaries. Um, Parents have actually uh, a young lady who's part of our congregation and she's probably here somewhere that I see her. But anyways, I want to pray for Cody though. So join me in praying for Cody and Cassie. Father, thank you for the work you're going to do through Cody and Cassie and the rest of the, the teams heading to Thailand. We pray for your protection over them. Pray that you would empower them, Lord, with um, with your courage and your strength. Lord, I pray that you would um, even get them out to deep waters, Lord, where they might know that they are way beyond themselves and they've got to trust you. God, through conversations, through interactions, Lord, through just situations that you are already um, working out, Lord, that they're going to step into, Lord. I pray that these would be uh, deep moments of, of growth and trust in you, God. We pray for your protection over him. Pray against the enemy and just that you would uh, protect him and his wife and the team from attacks there. And, and just uh, watch over them, Lord. May this be a rich time of ministry and of learning and growing. And we appreciate, God, them and and look forward to seeing them, Lord willing. And we just ask, God, that you would give him courage as he opens his mouth to lead out, Lord. Um, that you give him the words to say and the strength to do all that he's doing, Lord. Bless him, God. And we just pray for us as a church here that we would be people who would be willing to take deep steps of faith, God. Help us with that, Lord. Lead us out there, God. We offer ourselves to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray.